Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to bring your parish for maintenance to mission. And today is different. Today is special. Today is live. Uh, we've never done a live podcast before, although we're always live to tape. Uh, so this is this is sort of a special time because we're in studio and we're, we're celebrating sort of an important element of, of something that's happened in the ministry and something that you guys, and I'm pointing at you, Ron Huntley, and I'm pointing at you, Father James Mallon, something that you guys uh, have, have managed to, to get done. Good job I'm getting something done. What is it you managed to do, guys? Well, we launched our book, so uh, Unlocking Your Parish, so we're really excited about it. So, yeah. so today is the official launch of Unlocking Your Parish. I've got a copy of the book right here. Unlocking Your Parish, Making Disciples, Raising Up Leaders with Alpha. And so this book uh, has been a long, in, in journeying for, for a long time. And now before we talk about some of it and, and some of its history, I wanted to, to mention to those of you who are joining us live, part of the reason we're doing this live is we want to, to engage with you. We want you to feel like uh, you're part of, of this launch, because indeed you are. And also we want to learn the values of engagement and uh, that Alpha has. Uh, so we want you to feel like you're part of this. So we'll be taking questions over, over Facebook, uh, Facebook Live throughout this, this uh, podcast. And, uh, and we're also going to be giving away some books. Uh, so if uh, if you're interested in receiving a free copy of Unlocking Your Parish, uh, the best way to do that is to, to join us and, and ask a question, be active in, in the feed. And we've got people behind the scenes. We're going to give away three books. We'll give out one shortly, and then we'll give out one a little bit later. But we're only drawing from names that are actually people who are actually posting in live in the comments. So if you're joining us live, I encourage you to be active there. So, Ron, uh, let me start with you. Mm-hmm. Why in the world did you did you feel called to write this book about Alpha and its importance in sort of unlocking a parish? Uh, certainly something I've wanted to do for a long time. I've been so passionate about Alpha just because I see the fruits of it. If it didn't work, I would have dropped it a long time ago, but it works. And I've also seen people do it poorly. And when it's done poorly, it actually doesn't work, or at least it doesn't work very long. And because it's so effective when done well, you know, I've spent, and Father James and I have spent a lot of years making actually the mistakes uh, and learning from them and just trying to help other people learn from those mistakes so that they can be fruitful long-term, so that the fruit that they're bearing is sustainable to the point where it can actually transform an entire parish. And so that's my hope and goal, and it's been on my heart for years and years and years. So one of the things that I've been able to put off quite effectively for a long time, but, <laughs> but I think this well, ministry, in terms of divine renovation itself, has really uh, given us the, the place to do that from. And so I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to help a lot of people. Now, Father James, how do you understand Alpha's role inside of, of, of divine renovation? Well, before I go to there, I mean, it's a great question, but I just want to delve into a little bit of the history that Ron and I have with Alpha, because some of you may know that that Ron and I were forced by our parents to go on the exact same <laughs> religious weekend when we were rebellious teenagers, and we were actually in the same small group. We didn't know each other then, and it was a, a weekend that profoundly impacted our lives. And but after that, we didn't have much, we, we didn't connect much until years later after uh, I, I was in the seminary and Ron, Ron came, came to my ordination. And when I got my first parish, what was burning in my heart is how do I, how do I, uh, what's the subtitle? <laughs> how do I make disciples and raise up leaders? Yeah. Like, how do, how do I see an awakening in my parish? And Ron and I would, would, would get, in, we'd get together for coffee once in a while. And he told me, about this new thing that he had discovered that he thought I would love, and it was Alpha. So Ron actually introduced me to Alpha, and in, in, in that small country parish, we saw amazing things happen. But years later, fast forward, when I invited Ron to join me uh, before I went to St. Benedict Parish, the reason for, that I reached out to Ron 
was because I didn't know anyone who understood Alpha the way that he did, which was kind of similar to the way I, I did, that he saw Alpha not just as a tool for evangelization, a, a, a great tool, but a tool that could transform your church from inside out. I knew mm-hmm. he got that, and and that's why I reached out to him. That's why I really felt called. In fact, I really do believe it was it was the guidance of the Holy Spirit to to, re- to reach out to Ron to, to get him to come on board. So uh, I knew back then that there was a bigger picture in that Ron had a really tremendous insight into it. Thank you. So I'm going to go back to my question then for, for you, Father James. I know there's a number of people. I can't believe that, you still remember it. Uh, well, you know, I had I wrote, <laughs> I wrote it down, Ron. In, the case, in case of uh, Father James driving in a different direction, I usually have The question have was, what place does Alpha have within what divine motivation? Yeah, oh, yeah. okay, great. <laughs> so, here, so here's the thing. People often say, well, do you insist on Alpha? Do you have to do Alpha? The, the short answer is no. Uh, we're not, you know, in principle going to say that God can only use one tool. But what one of our one of our key values or key, key principles in divine renovation is the absolute primacy of evangelization, uh, not just in theory, not just theologically, but practically, even chronologically in what you do. And that means at every level, evangelizing mm-hmm. adults being primary, because when you evangelize adults, like to say the difference between Adults who have conversions and teenagers who have conversions. Adults write checks, which gives you the resources yes. to continue to grow your mission. But evangelizing adults and also youth and kids at every single level. And we call, we do ask parishes to have a tool for evangelization of adults that is accessible to people on the outside. And that's key, right? It's, that, it's, is, that, is, that is non-negotiable. We don't say it has to be alpha, but here's the thing. The list is pretty short. <laughs> There's a, an enormous list of, of programs and courses yes. and resources for discipleship to grow yep. Catholics who, have, who are, in one sense, committed. But in terms of a tool for people who are on the outside, who are not connected, who feel that they're going to be judged or not accepted or don't know anything about the faith, uh, who have never met Jesus, uh, the list of resources is very, very, very small. And Alpha obviously stands out. And we're, so we do not insist on Alpha, but at the same time, we're very clear that not only do we highly, highly recommend it, but in our experience, uh, I think it's the best tool. I, I'm, so we make no bones about that. It is, it, in our experience, mm. we definitely think it's the best tool. So we continue to have people join the live feed. And I said from the outset that we're going to take some questions and we're going to give away some free books. So for those people who are joining now, uh, we're going to be giving away free books, but only to those who have, have actually submitted some questions. So I'm going to start with uh, one, one of the first questions I see up on our screen. And I think it's actually relevant to what you were just saying, Father James. So the question uh, from Earl was, what is the best way to explain to Catholics the benefits of Alpha when they think it's not sacramental? Oh, I know that answer. Buy the book. Not on the nose there, Ron. See, the thing is, well, if, if not sacramental is your measure, then uh, we should never say the Apostles' Creed in church. I mean, the Nicene Creed mentions baptism, but the, 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 I mean, the thing is that in the church's activities, you've got to discern what, what are we doing? And there are three major, main biblical images for the work of the church. One is, and they're all pastoral kind of farming images that come from, you know, uh, from, from the time of the Lord. But there's feeding sheep, there's catching fish, and there's bringing in the harvest. Those are three images that Jesus used a lot. And, and the thing is, there's a difference. Like, what are you doing? In an activity in, in, in your parish, are you feeding sheep or catching fish? 
because sheep don't eat worms and fish don't eat grass. You know, I was talking, I was in a rural parish this past weekend in, in Nova Scotia and I met with the leadership team and I, I used this image and this guy, he was beside me and he was a, he was a bit, like he started off joking, he wanted to be home to watch the hockey game and all this, but as the conversation unfolded, he, he, it was obviously he was quite passionate and he immediately jumped in when I used the fishing analogy and he said, yeah, but when you fish, you got to know what bait to use. Right. And I've said, you're mm. absolutely right. He said, yeah. we need some, some new bait. And I said, yeah, right. we, he says, we've been using the same bait for 30 years. I said, we've been using the same bait for 300, 300 years. But the question is, fishing is different from, from, from feeding sheep. And here's where, where efforts to use alpha often falls flat is that people view alpha as a tool to feed sheep. Right. We're going to use this to awaken perhaps the Catholics in the pews and, and those who are awake to, to strengthen them. That's where the vision begins and that's where the vision ends. And that is a fail. That is a total fail. Can it do that? Yes, it can. Can it awaken people? Can it um, re-energize? Yes, it can. But from the very beginning, if you don't see this as, your, as a tool to fish, to catch fish, then you're never going to really implement it. And that's the difference. It, the bait is different. You, 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 so you don't have to cover all of these things. Let's catch the fish first, and then, and then we've, got to, we've got to prepare it. You know, mm-hmm. we, we've got time to do all the other things, to bring people to the sacraments. Well, that, 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 that notion the of, of even understanding, though, that you're, you know, the, the, the role of Alpha and the way that, it, that we, uh, in Divine Renovation, the way that we help parishes use it... Um, it, it, not all parishes start with that. That's not the default necessarily, the default position. And, and there's hazards when, when they don't take the right angle, isn't there? Absolutely. Well, absolutely. I've always said Alpha is a small piece of a bigger puzzle. You know, think about your marriage. You want to talk about sacraments. Do you get married first and then fall in love? No. <laughs> you go fall in love and then you get married. Well, it's no different with the church. And so we expect people to come into the sacramental relationship with the church without falling in love with Jesus. What the heck are we thinking? Yeah, so often in the church, we, especially when we start looking at discipleship behavior, it's like de- demanding uh, people to live in a loveless marriage. Like we, we expect the behavior so of, of, a, of a committed married person to someone that you, you neither know nor love. Yeah. So let's help the person to, to fall in love first. And that's what Alpha and is. And then it's get to these other things. It's just the first step. Like the whole, the name of Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. You can't make a sentence with one letter. You know, you need the whole alphabet. Well, that's what the church is. So, so Alpha is a small piece of a bigger puzzle. And, and, and the book lays that out because, and that's what we're trying to do. I remember being asked, uh, they were going to launch uh, Alpha in a, a local church here in, in, in Metro. And they asked us to come give a talk beforehand before their training, I'm thinking, hmm, a pre-training talk, we didn't have one. So I wrote a talk called How to Kill Alpha in 10 Easy Steps because in helping people with their alphas for so many years, I see the same mistakes over and over again. And in fact, you and I have probably made all of them. And so... Well, mostly you. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't didn't know all the mistakes I made until I teamed up with you. I was like, oh, crap. Well, that goes both ways. You corrected me a lot of times too. But what is so fun is we were able to, uh, you know, help people understand how they can kill it. And it's incredible how many ways you can kill it. And again, we're trying to help people with this book, not only put it into perspective of the broader church, it's not one or the other, it's one and the other. Mm, it's yeah. not evangelization or, or, or sacraments. It's evangelization and sacraments. In fact, just this morning at the men's leadership gym, the fellow Paul talked about your first alpha. Yes. And his wife was involved with it and he saw such a change in his wife and she kept asking that he eventually came. And here he is, 
coming into full sacramental communion with the church this Easter. Yeah. And right. It's a, that's the fruit of Alpha in the context of the church. You know, Dan, you, you, you made the point that um, what, what is the potential negative impacts if you, if you don't contextualize Alpha properly? And I think one of the things is that if, if, you, if, you, have, if you have the intention to run Alpha as much as possible as what we call a rolling course, mm. which effectively means the end of Alpha helps to launch the beginning of the next one, uh, which is definitely ideal. Uh, your alpha guests are always in training to be potential alpha leaders or to be team members for the next one. But here's your thing. Your first experience of something, like any first impression, uh, forms you. Mm. And if your first impression of alpha is particularly at the mealtime and in the small groups, is that we sit in circles. It's a bunch of church-going Catholics sitting in circles, basically complaining about what's wrong with the church or how come we don't do this anywhere or that, or that any, anymore. Um, then that's exactly what you're, that's your training. And, and it's, un, it's, it's, it's not uncommon when churches first do Alpha that for the majority of guests are going to be church that's members. But remember at St. Benedict Parish from the very beginning, we had at least 10, 15% non-church people. We had atheists, agnostics, people who are not connected. And it gave us the platform to say from the very beginning, do not make any presumptions about the people in your group. And and it gave us from the very start uh, the, the, the the avenue to 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 model the sensitivity mm. that needs to happen. It's, it wasn't uncommon to because because of that sensitivity to non-church goers or non-believers that we don't say grace. And I remember an alpha, someone running up to me in absolute <laughs> distress, like as if like the thing was ready to blow up with father James, father James, we didn't say grace. <laughs> like this was a disaster. And I said, possibly it's okay. It. It's okay. That was intentional yeah. because we're being, remember not everyone here is believes in God or believes in Jesus. And most do, but it, it allows you to to give that sensitivity right from the beginning. And I think that's that's a very important piece. So we've had a number of questions coming in. So I want to go to at least one of them because I see them scrolling by as people submit their questions, which is really exciting. Also, if, if you're connected with this family, connected with, with us in some way, you're still welcome to submit questions. You'll still be put into the draw. Don't feel like, <laughs> oh, well, maybe they don't want me to put a question out there because, you know, I know Father James. I had coffee with him one day. You're, you're absolutely welcome to be part of this. Uh, so one of the questions that came in from, from Skip, and I'm going to ask our team to prep the first draw so we can give away a book. I'm, I'm excited to give away some books. Uh, so from, from Skip, he asks, how do you break through the stodgy conservatism that seems to permeate so many dioceses in the United States? We need to have clergy and laity equally engaged with a shared vision for our parish. Yes. Well, first of all, I, w- I would um, make a distinction between theological conservatism and and uh, kind of character conservatism. And, and by that, I don't, I don't, I, what we've seen is that uh, openness to mission and resistance to mission seems to have no theological boundaries. We've, well said. There are theological conservatives who are impa- passionately open to mission and theological liberals who are absolutely closed to mission and, and, and vice versa. It's the yes. same thing. But the, the question is, and when I say character, that's not really the right phrase, but personality if, if, if being conservative willingness means to innovate, willingness maybe. to innovate, yes. willingness to change, Take chances. It, yep. that's very much a personality thing, how you're hardwired. Some people are much more open. In fact, studies say about probably 16% are much <laughs> more open to innovating and trying new things. And people aren't. And, and the thing is that 
those of us who are much more open to innovating, we can sometimes be quite judgmental towards people who are not. I've been there. I've done it. <laughs> and also in terms of your charisms, like, yeah. you know, I know that uh, we, we've used the tool APEST. You ch- check it out online. It's really, really helpful. But both of us, mm. actually all three, all three of us, of us. <laughs> our primary charism is apostle, which means we're, we're going to innovate. And our second is evangelist, mm. uh, which means we're passionate about people coming to know Jesus. But if your primary charism is a pastor, your, your inclination is going to be to serve the, 90, the, the sure, metaphorical yeah. 99, uh, and it's going to be more difficult. So let's just be careful about judgment on people who might not be as passionate about things as we are. I've done it myself. I've, I've, I've been there. But that being said, find the people who are passionate and work with them. Amen. Because it is, it is, it's soul sucking to be sitting in the pews of a church that's not focused on the people that you love and care about who don't know Jesus. Like as if the most important people are there and we can just forget about the rest of the world. We know it's wrong in our heart and our soul and we spiritually die. And, and so my friend Skip, like I, I feel your pain uh, and, and find places where you can find a place where you can work with people who do have this call and sense that there's more to this and there are, and, and souls matter and we're going to go get them. So the team and people will you want to when you work with the people who have that heart and when the fruit begins to emerge, people will slowly be won over. Yes. Again, if you think we have to somehow convince a critical mass of people before we begin, you're probably never going to begin like get get the people you need for your team and start doing it. Get the support of your pastor. Of course. And uh, and when you when the fruit begins to emerge and when people themselves begin to experience it because mm. it's taste and see mm. it's not it's not read read and think that the lord is good read and reflect <laughs> that the lord is good taste and see and in our experience ron there were so many people who you know after a couple of years of resisting they said look i'm just going to do it because i'm so sick of being invited to alpha and when they had a profound encounter with the lord that was renewing and then for, often for the first time an experience of the holy spirit people are like oh no nah. Now I understand. I never understood what the heck you were talking about. Now I get it. We and they become the, the greatest champions. <laughs> because here's the thing. They could they literally didn't even like what you're talking about. We gotta make disciples, we gotta evangelize. We they're like, in many ways they're thinking, what are you talking about? Yeah. Because they can't, you don't know what you don't know. And so you got to start it and let people taste and see for themselves. So we've, the team has told us who our first winner of a free copy of Unlocking Your Parish is. It's Tracy Hagerman. So congratulations, Tracy. Yeah, Tracy. Hey, so you're getting the very first copy <laughs> of, I say that's the very first copy. It's, 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 it's been on sale for what? How many days has the book been on sale? Two days. Two days. And it's already sold out on Amazon and, and perhaps some other places. Uh, but there are still places you can order it. And, and so, so if, if you're interested in the book, please hop on your, your bookseller of choice. And if, if your bookseller of choice doesn't have them, I know Word Among Us, uh, who is our, who we publish with. Word Among Us Press. Word yeah. Among Us Press, their website. You can, you can order them through there. They certainly do have copies. So the question, uh, I see the, the team is kind enough to queue up Tracy's question so we could address it. Um, she says, we ran Alpha from September to December in 2018 for the first time in our parish. Uh, we are discerning if we should run another Alpha starting in February or provide a Bible study oh, for the people thing. who attended Alpha and are hungry for more. This what is criteria so should we consider when we make this we decision? We love this question. This is a, a great, great question. question. So this is the pomp question. 
because, and, and I've seen this question, Tracy, before. It's a great question because really what's happening, I think you're seeing it. You're seeing the fruits of Alpha as the people want more. And that is so exciting. And so what do you want to do? You actually want to give them more. Good for you. Love it. Um, I always resist the temptation to give people what they want. Instead, I try to give people what they need. And, and when they come back and work on team and they are a part of bringing other people to Christ, I'm telling you what, there is no life like it. Keep Alpha going. Run it twice a year, every year for the rest of your life. And what will end up happening is because people move through a leadership pipeline with mm-hmm. Alpha. They mm-hmm. go from guest to, co- to, to helper to co-host to host. And then look for people who have the teaching charism or what have you, and they can start the Bible studies. But keep Alpha going. Yeah. You'll be able to get to those Bible studies. And, and I got to tell you, Tracy, that's exa- I've lived through this experience because for years I... I ran Alpha for, I think, nine years before I teamed up with Ron. And that's exactly what I did because I was very passionate about catechesis and we developed Catholicism to, to one as a, as a follow-up. And my primary concern is, you know, we, we birthed a bunch of disciples. It was like, okay, let's put Alpha on hold and start forming them with catechesis and, and the next level. But then come when September came around again, it was like literally starting all over again. And yes, it produced fruit. But when I teamed up with Ron at St. Benedict, he cha- he challenged me on this. Well, we also had the more bandwidth, but yes, that was one of the changes, Ron, that you really insisted on. And that's when there was explosive, not just the, the, the explosion in the fruit, but in terms of getting the momentum for, for, for church renewal and transformation. Mm-hmm. Keep the pump going, keep mm-hmm. it going. And eventually you will have the bandwidth, you will have enough leaders so that you can let go of the pump and and it's, oh, it's still going. Okay, now we can go over and start being intentional about building our next steps in the catechetical process as well. I remember for years, because when I started, my passion has always been to help people fall in love with the Roman Catholic Church, because it's all I knew. And I've watched all my friends fall away, and and it and it breaks my heart. And if what we believe is real, why are we so bad at bringing people alive with yeah. it? And that's always been my passion. And so... When I finally understood how Alpha could fit in, you know, how it was a small piece of a bigger puzzle, I got really excited because I too, Tracy, was so excited to get into all those other things to learn about my faith. And I'll never forget, because that was always my goal, and I couldn't wait to get Alpha running enough so I could take off and go do those things, because that's the playground I wanted to play in. And in my prayer, God said to me, Ron, keep your hand on the pump. I want you to keep your hand on the pump and let other people do that. And so I could just see people coming and filling up their water glasses and running and playing. And, and I just felt like I couldn't go. But I realized that, and, and, and this is a real plea of mine to any one of you who are listening, is that keep your best leader on Alpha until they can replace themselves with another yeah. best leader. Like yeah. by the time I step down. Say that down again though, Ron. I think, that, I think that's so critical. Say it one more time. Keep your best. What did I say? <laughs> Keep your best leader on Alpha until they can raise up another best leader. Yeah. And you know, I think about St. Benedict Parish when I when I stepped aside and took a new role at St. Benedict. Jen took my place, Jen Ferrier, and Jen grew Alpha more than I did. Mm. And then Jen uh, stepped down, and Tanya's taken it over, and Tanya's growing it yeah. even more. Yeah. And that's that's my point. Like. Be careful to run away from that handle on the pump too quick and turning it over to somebody who doesn't have the charism of bringing people together, encouraging people, and have the vision to resist everyone's temptation to change it. And if you think of a pump and a pipeline, I mean, a purpose of a pipeline 
even though we're from Canada and we seem to have a hard time <laughs> building pipelines, but but oh, a purpose of a pipeline is to move uh, liquid from or move something from one place to another. Well, what moves it? Pressure, water pressure. How do you maintain the pressure? Keep the pump going. Amen. Resist the temptation to let go of the pump because you'll lose the water pressure. You'll lose momentum, and you have to start all Amen. over again. You w- be patient. You will eventually get. Yeah. to be intentional about designing the next steps around discipleship and catechesis. So we continue to get lots of questions. And so if, if you're watching us live, please continue to submit questions. We're, we're certainly not going to be able to get to all of them, but but I invite you to, because that's your best chance to get a free copy of Unlocking Your Parish. Uh, and I presume you guys are going to sign these. Is that, is that? Let's do it. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah absolutely. We'll, you'll sign them. <laughs> Excellent. They're worth much more after they've got your signatures on them. I'm going to go to the next question from Owen. Owen asks, having begun Alpha in our parish, starting third round in a few weeks, what would you recommend to keep a balance of existing faithful parishioners attending and new untapped spiritual potentials attending? Having a small team for now, we feel limited to the number of guests we can host. Mm. What would you guys say to that? Well, I'm, I'm, well, I'm going to keep reading it because um, I got distracted while you were reading it. Well, I, I'll, I'll just j- jump in while Ron re- rereads. I think it's a good thing to to focus on the quality and not necessarily go too big. I mean, that's something you have to discern. But if you think about when people have a bad experience of Alpha, they don't say, oh, I didn't have a good experience because the food was terrible. They They don't say, I didn't have a good experience because the talks weren't that good. It's always the small group. It's always the small group that, that leads to a negative experience. And so uh, you want to grow your Alpha at, at the rate in which you can have great hosts. And in that sense, you, you're, you, you, if you've got limited numbers, then um, you also want to make sure you get non-church people there. So I know what one parish did in, in our network was that they said, if you're a faithful parishioner, uh, the condition for you to come on Alpha is you've got to bring someone who's not connected with church. That was one way they did it. Mm, that's true. I think that's Father Owen Burns, I believe, uh, in New Brunswick. And uh, I, I think he's still ministering in rural areas. And one of the things that we've done, because there's always, uh, you know, our hope is that churches where it's appropriate, can start connect groups as a follow-up to Alpha at some point. And we always say it's about two and a half year lag between when you start your first Alpha and when you have connect group. But if you're in a small rural area and you, you know, your Alphas are going small and they're probably going to stay small, it's okay. One of the things that we've done is we've encouraged people to have Alpha re, alpha table reunions. Yeah. And you can actually just take the readings for the upcoming Sunday and make that your focus, for example, and, you know, have some tea, coffee, meet at a restaurant, whatever you want to do, but keep those relationships going until you have a critical mass to start a connect group. So, so that's an idea. Um, I I recently heard I was, I was had to do, been doing a lot of driving this past week uh, because of the demands of ministry in my, in my new job. And I get to listen to podcasts and I heard one podcast speaker describe the task of church renewal as this, to move people from sitting in rows to sitting in circles. And I thought, wow, that's a, that's a really kind of cool way uh, to, to talk about these, this dynamic of sh- the shift. Because when, when you sit in a row, it's face forward. You're, you're looking to the front you don't look to the side or behind you. In a sense, you're a passive receiver. Whereas sitting in a circle, everything switches. And for most traditional Christians and, and, and Catholics, our experience of church is sitting in a row. You sit, you don't interact with the people beside you. You're, you're a passive recipient from, from, from the front. 
sitting in circles for many church going Catholics, the first time they ever experience this is an alpha small group. Mm. And once that clicks and once they, they, they taste and see what the, the, even the beginnings of what Christian community can be like, there's no going back. So people do, they hunger and thirst for more. They want authentic community. They also know that in order to sustain this kind of new intensity of, of, of spiritual awakening, I need other people around me who've experienced the same thing. So continue to press into that and, and, and be creative for sure. So I'm going to, we're going to jump to the next question before we do though, I'm going to ask our team again to queue up the next selection for, uh, for a new book. I feel like this is my Oprah Winfrey moment. It's like a new book for you, a new book for you, <laughs> everyone, a new book for you. It's very exciting. Uh, so I've got a, a question uh, up on, on the screen here from, from Kathy. Our challenge is having, our, our challenge is having the parish truly embrace new potential parishioners after Alpha. Then the leadership team burns out trying to continue to mentor past Alpha guests. Yes. What do you think, guys? Mm. Well, that's where you're, that's where we invite pastors. And that's why I'm so glad Father James wrote the chapters he wrote in the book as well, because he really speaks into pastors. It really is has to be something, or I say it has to be, it doesn't have to be, but it works best when the pastor is completely on board and preaching in to all of the, what are the principles of Alpha anyway? And are they not the principles you want in your church? Like, don't treat it as a, as a course, one of many yes. on the side, but understand what's at the heart of Alpha. It's being invitational. It's being sensitive to those who are away from Jesus, and it's creating a path that they can encounter Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Is that not what the Catholic Church should be about? Absolutely. And so make your entire church understand those principles. You used to say, make what's happening in the basement, because we have Alpha yeah. in our basement, impact what happens yeah. upstairs on Sunday. Here's the thing. If you do Alpha well, it's going to cause you problems. Yes. It's going to cause you all kinds of problems, because it will, that these principles will seep, they will flow upstairs. What are the key principles? Non-judgmental, high hospitality, it's belong, believe, behave, um, high welcoming, relevant messages, powerful community. And when people experience that now, they're like, wow, this, I, I wrote this church thing off and this is amazing. And then they go to church and they get zero welcoming, hostility, you're in my pew, uh, crappy music, uh, irrelevant messages. It's, it's like we can be accused of false advertising. So yep. certainly when you launch Alpha, you've got to have the vision that that somehow we've got to allow these values to impact what we do upstairs. However, I will say this, that beware, there is a dynamic that you will experience in your parish. When you begin to welcome back and bring in people who have never been to church or have been away from church, you will bump into the older brother syndrome. At some point, it is yes. going to happen. You see, in many of our churches, we have older brothers who are out working in the fields, who have worked like slaves for years. They've never disobeyed even one of their commands, and they certainly feel that you've never given them a goat to have a party with with their friends. And when they start see you welcoming back that son of yours and killing the fatted calf for them, they're going to get mad, yep. and they're not going to want to join the party and that's a that's a real turning point for every single parish. And you know, in the years gone by, in every parish, I can honestly say that I've used the Alpha in. I've had someone scream at me and yell at me in my face. They're so angry and hurt because they feel betrayed. Because you know, in a sense, we've left the ninety nine to go after the, the first. Not 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 
literally. Completely. Yeah. Not, not literally, but I think, people let, feel that. Let me pause you there because the yeah. next question I think touches on some of this. Before I do that, uh, I understand that Marlene Millette is actually the winner of our next free book. So Marlene, our team will be in touch and, and send a book out to you. <laughs> uh, and so here's, here's, the, here's the comment that I think it's really, it, it's relevant. It says, uh, this is from Margaret. We have people who have expressed concerns that we need to form the people in the pews before <sighs> we bring new people into the church. We yeah. hear that all the time. Good, good luck with that. Work. It doesn't work. <laughs> We've been forming people for my entire lifetime, and they're still not going out. When is it going to happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's simple. Is you've you got to start doing it. Find the people who've got a heart for evangelization because that drives everything, and 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 form them after that. So, and, but but what you what advice are you going to give to Margaret? I mean, so so Margaret's saying, look, you know, some people in my church they've got this concern. Buy the book. Like honestly, yeah, but I, the book. I say that I mean it. Like this book was absolutely 100% designed, Margaret, to help you share what you know in your heart with people so you don't have to say it. And it's laid out. All those things are addressed in this book to win people over, to help them think differently, expand their mind and reconsider the things they thought they knew so that they would be willing to take a risk and try something awesome. Honest to goodness. Mm. Do you know, there's nothing we talk about, you know, parish renewal, but in our experience, it was when, when unawakened or impassionate practicing Catholics begin to hear testimonies of people at masses who, you know, I remember a couple of months ago at St. Benedict, one of the testimonies from a lady who was raised as a, as a Hindu, had no background with church, and gave one of the most profoundly mm-hmm. compelling testimonies to the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, and she's joined the RCIA. It was unbelievable. When, when your parishioners start hearing testimonies like that it's like what the heck it's like (laughs) throwing gasoline on the fire yeah and and if you want to try to somehow get people ramped up before you even start it it, you're never it's never going to happen here's one thing pope francis i love the the term that he's used missionary disciples and what that what does that communicate is that the call to discipleship and mission go hand in hand in hand he drew this language from the, the document of the Latin American bishops called, which is called the Aparecida document. Mm-hmm. And they say, say something very, very important in, in chapter six of that document is that mission is not to see, not to be seen as a stage that is, that is, that comes after discipleship. Mm-hmm. It's, it's at the same time. Discipleship and mission have to be held together. And so if you're saying, let's, let's double down on discipleship for a certain period of time until we get to a point and then we'll go on mission. Guess what? All you're going to happen is you're going to become irrelevant, weird, and judgmental, and you're never going to go on mission. At the same time, if you do mission without without getting going on your discipleship, you're going to be very uh, fragile. Yeah. You know, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to keep it going. You've got to do both together at the same time. There are so many great questions coming in because the team's queuing some up on a big screen that we have over there. Cool. I'm seeing a bunch more coming this way. And I'm just getting so excited. I'm like, I want to tackle all these questions. It's killing me that we're not going to be able to do it all. Um, but, but one of the things, of course, when, when we're doing alpha is how do we get people there? Now, there's a question that came in from Tom and his question was, how effective is blanket mailing alpha to rural areas? How effective is blanket mailing alpha to rural areas? I think it could support the requests that go, but really people respond like yeah. people respond when one friend looks at another friend and says, Hey, there's this cool thing going on, dinner and a movie, some casual discussion. I think you'll love it. Why don't I pick you up? That goes like, so the blanket email or the blanket mail out could be a, 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 an addition to the personal invitation. But if you don't, if you don't help your church 
individuals to ask, if you don't challenge them to risk rejection for the sake of Jesus Christ, that that my guess is the blanket mail out. You might get one or two people, but yeah, that's, that's it, right. it really doesn't work. That's right. It's, it's a conversation starter, but yeah. uh, the, the, the key to getting Alpha thriving is an invitational culture in your church, and that is only going to happen by personal invitation. I was... Uh, yesterday meeting with uh, a lawyer. I've never met with a lawyer before. Uh, I, I'm, I'm getting old. Are you getting so I, charged or? I, I, I wanted to... Uh, Speeding ticket? I had to, had, to, had to begin to think about a will. So I had a meeting with a lawyer and she says, well, I'm a, I'm a really, really, really fallen away Catholic. And I said, really? I said, how fallen away? And basically, she has almost zero church background, but her, her, her grandmother was a Catholic. And thank God for Alpha because I was able to say, hey, we've got this thing. I yeah. think you would love it. It's it's perfect for you. It's 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 you. It's going to be welcome. No pressure. No 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 judgment. And and I showed her the the, the on the website. I sent her an email, and she was like really really enthusiastic awesome. and and saying yeah. And and I you know I I'm so glad I had something to invite her to. And I think the tragedy is so many of our churches um, they have nothing that someone like this lady could be invited to. And it's 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 crazy because we're we're in the fishing business. And we don't have fishing rods or fishing nets, mm-hmm. you know. So one of the questions that, that flew by earlier was Marlene's question, and it was specifically about this. Is how do you get how do you get parishes, how do you get parishioners to go out there and do the invitation? So like, I mean, you've you've been a, a pastor, you've you've had to try and mobilize your parishioners to go and do the inviting. What do you do? How do you make it happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I think again, this is where it's so important for pastors to get on board. To if you see the pastor's enthusiasm for something that they believe is going to make a difference. And if we link that to people that others care about, you know, it's, it's, do you have any family or friends that have fallen away from faith or don't know Jesus? Do you? And does Jesus make a difference? And do you think we can bring those two people together? Do you? I think we can. Here's what we're going to do. How about all of us ask five people? Because statistics show if you ask five, one will come. And what if we do that? And what if we start doing that together over and Because most people... I shouldn't say most people. A lot of people don't come to Alpha at the first invitation. That's right. Many don't come for maybe a year, two, three years, but they continue to get asked. And sometimes by different people, eventually they say, Think of Robert's story. I think Flavia asked him seven (laughs) times before he said yes, just to make her go away. Right. You know, I've often thought if you've got a church that has a weekend attendance of a thousand people, and if everyone invited one person, that would be 200 people would come. And if, generally about 50% roughly are going to have quite a considerable life-changing impact of Alpha. That's 100 people, potentially 100 new disciples in one season of Alpha. Mm-hmm. Who become on fire. That's become not just on fire. church going. That's no, like, the, this they're is, on fire. This is incredible. Like, <laughs> why the heck would we not take this opportunity? <laughs> it's, a lot of people haven't seen it though, right? A lot of pastors haven't seen it. A lot of priests, they've never seen what 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 is possible. Don't believe it's possible. And and I think this is the thing. It, 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 we've got to reawaken in imagination and be reconvinced. Like, the heart's hunger for the word of life. Jesus is still the bread of life. He he is the answer. And, and we've... We've got the most precious thing in the universe, and 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 he still is touching lives, and and you know I think we really need to be convinced of that and be and be bold. But a part of it, really, one of the thing again going on the whole taste and see thing is that the best inviters for the next alpha, are the people who just finished the the previous one, they're the ones who are going to invite their family and friends, and that's why. And the people who don't go to church, guess what? Churchy people tend to only know churchy people people who don't 
people who don't go to church know all kinds of people who don't go to church. <laughs> and so they invite all their friends as well. But we also at St. Benedict, from the very beginning, we would take uh, several weeks before the major alpha to yes. preach. So this is a key part for pastors is, is in order to make sure that alpha is seen as at the heart of what we do, um, you preach it. Don't just make announcements, preach it. Yes. Give it and give a compelling uh, why behind behind the alpha that's going to touch the heart and give clear, concrete action. So every single alpha we do one week, we do uh, we preach to the people in the pews saying, this is our tool, this is what we do. We want everyone to be renewed. We want everyone to experience alpha. We want you to know how to use this tool. And we, we, we do the ask and we have a testimony of some, a parishioner who took alpha and had and it had an impact. Then the following week, we focus on invitation and we preach on, on, on the call to invite and we have a testimony of someone who was invited and that is ceaseless. We do that all the time. And I think that's why we've now grown from say 10, 15% unchurched people in alpha. The last couple of years were 40, 45%. Yeah unchurched, non-church goers doing Alpha. And we've been running Alpha twice a year, day and night, for, what, nine years, eight years, nine years, however long it's been. Yeah. And it's Which still, is the biggest Alpha. And it's still getting bigger. <laughs> every time it's it getting gets, bigger, it gets bigger and bigger, all the, all the time, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and it's, so this isn't something that, that is a short window, you know, blast it out, do it a couple of year, year or two, and then it dies. Through it it does die if you don't get your head around an yeah. invitational culture. Because what happens is once you hit about, 30% of your parishioners, if you don't have this invitational culture, it begins to die off. And people say, well, that was, there was obviously a season for Alpha and that season is, is finished and it's time to go on to something else. But I remember Nick, Nicky Gumbel used to always say, sadly, that church has never actually started Alpha. You don't really start doing Alpha until you get about 30, 40% of your church members have gone through it. Then, you remember, then you you own it. I'm looking at that, the cover of the book, Unlocking Your Parish, Making Disciples and Raising Up Leaders with Alpha. And I, I remember when we did our first conference in 2016, people thought we were trying to, to quote unquote, sell Alpha, <laughs> which wasn't even our product because Alpha is not ours, right? Alpha comes from 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 another organ, another group, right? We, we just see the, the, the impact it can have. And we've and what I think that the brilliance of what's in the book is that you understand how to incorporate it into into the church, into the Catholic church mm. in a way that really helps it to, to be successful. So we've been getting lots of questions and of course we're, we're giving away free books to, to based on people who are giving questions. So if you haven't got your question in yet, uh, you're, we're running out of time. So you've got just a small window left. Let me jump to, uh, to Jason's question here. He says, hello, uh, I went through the alpha program in the fall of 2017 and I'm currently going through RCIA. Congratulations. That's awesome. I feel I might have missed a few things. Would you recommend doing alpha again? Well, that's a great question too, Jason. And I would, you know, one of the things we'd do if you, if you're at St. Benedict, what we'd do is we'd probably get you on team. Uh, and so that's one of the ways to kill alpha actually is allow people to continue to take mm. alpha over and over again. It becomes like a click. It becomes unhealthy because it's a lot of fun I and mean, people want to do it again. But I'll often say, even when people come from other parishes and and they sign up for Alpha, one of the questions we ask in the registration is, have you done Alpha before? And if they say yes, we'll often say, hey, wonderful, then let's, we'd like to invite you on team. And so, yeah. yes, I'd encourage you to do Alpha again uh, through the team because we do miss stuff. In fact, I've been on team multiple times, and every time I'm on Alpha, I learn new stuff and, it, yeah. and, and hear it differently. And so, yeah, I'd encourage you to serve. 
Excellent. Uh, so we got a question from Giselle. We are starting our first alpha. Congratulations on that. That's awesome. What is the best size of group we should, should pardon me, what is the best size of group should we have? Uh, there is no one on our team who has done an alpha. What will be, what will be my challenges and what's the best way to accompany my team? So starting well, from scratch. Well, for, first of all, Giselle, congratulations. Yes. That's so, so exciting. So exciting. Love it. <laughs> it's the beginning of something awesome. <laughs> It is. And so this has happened for us before, too, going into new parishes when I'd move and stuff. And we'd started as well with people who haven't done it before. And so what we would do, and I remember one particular church in Truro, uh, Father Ron asked us to start it. And so we said, sure. I said, but here's the deal. I don't know anybody here yet. And so I want you to give me 12 of your most fun, contagious, and relevant people in your church. And, and so he gave me a bunch of names. I said, just reach out to them, tell them I'm going to call them. And I called them and they all came and we did it together at my house and just had one table full. And then from that one table, we launched two tables the next season. And then from there we grew. And so that's what we did. Uh, the only thing I would suggest is when you do that, just let people know that, you know what, there are follow-ups to Alpha that you can do you know, Catholicism 201 or Robert Barron's series on Catholicism. Lots of things you can do. So let's not make the small group discussions Catholic content. Let's yeah. keep them relevant to the video and, topics. And I think that's why if you do something like yeah. that, which is a great way to start it and to get people on board and to taste it, is is I've often encouraged churches to don't call it Alpha, call it a taste of Alpha because mm. you got to constantly remind people, remember, this this is this is a dry run. This is not the real thing. Why? Because we don't have non-church scores or non-believers <laughs> here. So it's it's a taste of it. But yeah. the real dynamic is going to be when, when you've got people in the small groups and present who are not connected with the mm. church. So the um, even though the book just has entered into print, it's actually been read by a number of people. We passed it out. We, we got feedback. Yes. Uh, Alpha International reviewed it. And we also had people from other traditions look into, into mm. this book to see whether it would be applicable outside of the Catholic Church. And what I love is the next question from Vincent. Uh, and, and he asks, have you ever done Alpha ecumenically? Is that possible? We have a large, uh, a large Alpha plant here in Southampton, UK. So... What, what? I don't know if we've ever done Alpha There's when it not wasn't. not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like every time we do Alpha, people come from all kinds of denominations and we're so excited. In fact... At St. Benedict Parish on any given Sunday, there's all kinds of people in the pews for Mass from all kinds of different denominations. That's like, the thing. When you when you begin to shift uh, as a parish to become missionary, all the, the, the boxes, they, they melt away. They melt away. And it becomes a quite messy, actually. So you, you're going to be, it's just like, you know, having babies is kind of messy and raising kids. And so it does get messy, but it's, it is wonderful. But there, there's a balance there because one of the wonderful things about Alpha is that it, it it's... We got to be very careful. It does, it's not like you know the the theological content of Alpha is basic Christianity because that itself is a theological statement that we would have uh, perhaps a disagreement on. I mean, quite obviously, as Catholics, mm. the Alpha doesn't talk about the Eucharist. I think that's basic Christianity, but Alpha has never made that claim. Alpha has said that the content is what we hold in common. Yes, and and that is ninety percent of our of our of our faith is is what we hold in common, and that's a great place to celebrate that. We don't uh, deny the differences, and at the end of an Alpha and the the week on the church, we would say, you know, if if you're if if you're from a different background, you might feel called to go back to your to the church you were raised in. But if if you're not connected with the church and you feel a connection here, we would love to have that conversation with you. Mm-hmm. And generally, that happens because evangelization is relational. 
It, it's it's friendship driven. And yes. what happens when people are in Alpha? They become friends. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. And I've seen people come from other denominations, get reignited and fall in love with Jesus afresh and filled with the Holy Spirit, go back to their denomination and crank up Alpha and connect groups and do all kinds of great things. And so it's, you know, it's incredible what can happen. And we have so many friends from other denominations that we've worked with over the years at St. Benedict, helping them with training, coming on the Holy Spirit weekend with us. Like we just, we love the church mm-hmm. and we're, we're proud Roman Catholics uh, and we love the church. So this book is intended for, for people who perhaps haven't been running Alpha, but also those who have been running it for a while mm-hmm. to, to try and improve their Alpha. There's a great question from, from Kelly. How long should a person be a table host? We're in our fourth year of Alpha running twice a year. We have hosts that want to be hosts every <laughs> session. <laughs> uh, how do we encourage them to move on? Read the book. book. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Kelly, these are the kinds of questions that, that the book goes into. Yeah. It's it's kind of like, um, I mean, alpha training, the official alpha training is going to give you the basics, but because alpha operates in, in a complicated world of, uh, because it's a tool used from <laughs> by Baptists and Salvation Army and Anglicans and Catholics and Orthodox and and so there, there's a bare bones kind of training that they do and we we've got the freedom to go deeper uh, into the the context of a basic parish and say here's how to get the maximum impact of Alpha and that question that you ask is an absolutely crucial one which is really one of the central points of the whole book. Yeah, it's true. And you talk about Father James. You'll often talk about you know when a pipeline gets clogged up then we have a problem and not moving people along in this leadership development creates a clog. And so, you know, the joke at St. Benedict used to be, has Ron given you the boot yet? Because I tell everybody, you're going to be, you're going to be in this for a while and it's invitation only. And at some point you're going to be asked to move on because we need to make room for other people. And so it's not about you. Like Mm. Alpha is not about me. Like Christ is, is, is to be given away. And, yeah. and so all of this and a healthy church, because you'd last thing, a kiss of death is that Alpha becomes a click in your church. Yeah, and you must move people through and equip them and empower them to go and serve in other And that's not just the guests, that's the, 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 the helpers, the oh, hosts. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, that, and that's a, a clear expectation up front for sure. Yeah. We usually say that Alpha is, a, is terminal. Uh, yes, yeah, for sure. I love it. So we're on, I, I, I'm going to, uh, cause we're live. You can't stop me from doing this, but when we talked <laughs> off screen a few times, you, you're kind of abashed about the book. You're like, it's not about me, Dan. Like, I don't want to like, it's, 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 it's about the impact I think the book can have. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and you are, you're a bit, uh, you know, almost shy to have your name on it. But let me ask you the question about what impact you hope it would have. I mean, you mm-hmm. coach parishes all over the world. Uh, and, and in that coaching relationship, you mm-hmm. try and help those parishes have local impact. So what role do you see this book? What role do you see this book having in terms of the ability to help those parishes? Thanks for that's a great question. And and in fact, it's really at the heart of all the questions that have been asked today, because the questions that are being asked today are the questions in every single church. And they're all really good, really important questions. There's so many misunderstandings and myths around this stuff that need clarity. And my hope is that, you know, the people that are watching today can buy some of these books, give them to friends and say, hey, you know what, why don't we read this book together? And then let's talk about what did we learn? Uh, Did it clarify anything? And where does it leave us after this? Because this book, I believe, has the power to unify a church around a tool that can have explosive impact in bringing people to Christ and transforming culture. It absolutely can for clergy, for lay people, for grumpy people. Uh, You know, I really believe that this book has 
has the capacity to unify a parish around a tool that can bring incredible and, impact. And I will say as well that there's a window of opportunity when a parish discerns to use Alpha because uh, Alpha is an amazing tool, but any tool is only as good as the church that runs it. And, and it is possible to run Alpha poorly. Mm-hmm. It's not as simple as, you know, press play and put on a meal. Uh, there are things you can do that, that can make it a, a less than optimal experience. And if your alpha, in a sense, flops, it's not like you can start all over again the next year. People are going to be saying, you know, we tried that, it didn't work. It's going to be 10 years before you can before you can start again. So, mm. so one of the greatest threats to the success of alpha is alpha done poorly. And I really believe, Ron, there's a book here that can help parishes maximize the impact uh, and longevity of Alpha in your church. I'd like to take Amen. a question here from, from Mary. Mary asks, I loved attending the Alpha program at our church and being a lifelong Catholic, I couldn't believe how much I learned <laughs> by listening awesome. and sharing during our table groups. But, but I was wondering, <laughs> why do we have to stay with our table groups and not move to a different table <laughs> every that. week to I meet the share with more people <laughs> and make new friends at the same time? I love that. You know, because that tells me Mary just has a passion to meet as many people as possible. I love your <laughs> attitude you will be a great team member yep. on alpha because that's because here's the deal we do want to they, they statistics show that somebody's far more likely to stay engaged in growing as a disciple if they make friends and and those friends that what happens around a table deepens week after week after week trust grows uh vulnerability grows and by moving people around all the time you don't our experiences, you don't go as deep. And so that's why, that's why the weekend away versus a day away is is so important. It's such an upgrade in people's experience because we have a fun night where everybody gets goofy and there's, there is all this mixing and mingling, but um, you know, our goal for people like you, Mary, is that we'd bring you back on team and then we'd bring you back on team again. And then maybe you'd serve in the kitchen and maybe you could be a greeter. And so, you know, this isn't a a sprint. It's a marathon. Yep. And so as your church becomes more and more enmeshed in, li- in in lives that are focused on Jesus and empowered by the Holy Spirit, it's going to ignite every other ministry in your church. You're going to have years and years to fall in love with more and more people. Mm. <laughs> so I, I want to end by giving away our, our final book that uh, that uh, we'll be giving away today. So uh, Giselle Bredeau-Bourgault, if I've pronounced your name right, I, cool I apologize name. if I didn't get it quite right, but it's a beautiful name. Uh, we'll be sending off a book and we'll get uh, these, two, these two guys to sign it for you. We'll be shipping one off mm. to you as well. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who, was, who joined us live. And if you weren't able to join us live, mm. uh, perhaps you didn't hear about it, you should be following us on Facebook. Facebook and Twitter. So, so check us out in those feeds. That way you can find out about these, uh, these opportunities when they pop up. And thank you both, uh, Ron and Father James. And thank you particularly for this book, Unlocking Your Parish. Uh, for people who, who want to get a hold of it and who didn't happen to win one today, uh, check it out in your bookstores. It's, it's, it's all over the globe, as far as I understand, in English only so far. Um, but it's all over the globe with, with uh, sales already in the UK, United States, Canada, and I'm not even sure where else. It's all over, but it's just, just hitting the presses. So thank you, Ron. Thank you, Father James. And God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.